but I was never going to run more than 5k and I was only ever going to do it recreationally. I had no interest in racing. Boston. I took my training plan and when I couldn't fit in all the runs, I did all the workouts, I did all the speed work, and that's what made the difference. That was Moraig McDonough, and this is episode 72 of the Inspired Souls podcast. Hi, I'm Carolyn, and I'm a roadrunner. And I'm Kim, and I'm a trail runner. Welcome to our podcast where we bring the communities of trail and road running together and explore the parallels between running and life. Originally from Scotland, Moraig McDonough is a 66-year-old Nova Scotian runner who currently holds the Canadian Women's 65 Marathon record of 321.38. With an impressive time like this, you might assume she's been competing since grade school, but nothing could be further from the truth. Moreg was in her late 40s when she took up running, and it was purely for recreation. She was never going to go further than 5K, and she was definitely not going to race. But as most runners can attest, once she caught the bug, one thing kept leading to another. She started off on the roads, but in recent years, Moreg has also been lighting things up on the track and the trails, and is showing no signs of slowing down anytime soon. In this episode, we talk about the influence her daughter Ailsa has had on her running career, what it was like to share the podium in Boston with Olympian Joan Benoit Samuelson, getting hypothermia and dropping out of Boston in 2018, the unconventional way she approaches marathon training, why she doesn't race with a GPS watch, the important lesson in pacing she learned the hard way in a track mile, injuries, grief, and so much more. As you'll hear in this conversation, Moreg is a breath of fresh air, and we have to imagine that part of her success is due to the wonderful energy she shows up with. So without further delay, please join us in welcoming Moreg McDonough to the show. Well, Moreg, we are so excited to welcome you to the Inspired Souls podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thanks very much for inviting me. That's I'm quite honoured. <laughs> Well, we are very thrilled and excited to have you here tonight, and we cannot wait to dive into your running story because you are somebody that really took up running uh, a little bit later in your life, in your in your mid forties. And we'll hear all about that when when we talk about uh, about your running journey. But maybe first, you could just sort of warm up the crowd, introduce us to you. Who are you? Where are you joining us from? And what do you do? Well, my name is Maureen McDonough and I live in Nova Scotia. I'm 66 years old. I'm happily retired. I retired right at the beginning of the pandemic, unfortunately, and that put all my plans aside. Uh, I moved to Canada from Scotland at the end of 1981 with my four children and my husband. And I lived in Barrie, Ontario for seven months. Then we moved to Newfoundland and we lived there for four years. And then we finally came to Nova Scotia. Excellent. And you have a, a military background, don't you? Uh, yeah, I, jo- I joined the reserves. It was one of these things that I had moved to Halifax after living down the South Shore in Nova Scotia for 10 years. And jobs weren't that, you know, abundant at the time. And I, I got a few part-time and casual jobs to kind of keep me going, keep me going, keep me going. And finally, they were running out. And uh, I had applied to join the reserves, actually. And when I went in, they asked me why I didn't join the regular force. And I said, well, if I join the regular force, what's my chances of getting posted back to Halifax? And they said, oh, you shouldn't have any problem, which wasn't actually true. But anyway, that's what they told me. So I did because there was no job, right? And I thought that's a pretty good job. But I did want to come back to Halifax because my kids were still here and I had a boyfriend at the time too. So I kind of wanted to move back. But it didn't quite work out that way. So that's they gave us the opportunity to get out. If we didn't like where we were posted, they actually posted me to Trenton, Ontario. Even if they had posted me to Victoria, I might have considered it because it's nice (laughs) out there. But anyway. Yeah. um, (laughs) Hey, you're preaching to the choir. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I love it out there. Anyway, um, I ended up getting out. But I always wanted to go back in because I had gone to basic training and I learned all these skills and I really wanted I wanted to be in the reserves because you know you had you had more freedom with that to get out if you wanted to so that's what I did but it took me a while to get back in but anyway 
Well, it certainly is a small world because Carolyn and I both have military connections as well. So we have that in common with you too. Although I was never in the military. (laughs) Carolyn was never in the military. We have, you know, close family, our spouses that were. Okay. So let's get back to running for a minute. I understand, like Carolyn said, that you took up running, we'll say late in life, but I like to think at midlife, you know, in your mid forties to late forties. So what inspired you to do that? What kind of drew you to the sport of running at that point in your life? Nothing. I had no intentions of running. I I just, (laughs) I used to go out for a walk after work every day and I'd walk really fast with my Walkman on and my, you know, my bouncy music and you know, then I was running a bit, walking a bit, and, you know, eventually I was running 5K. But I was never going to run more than 5K, and I was only ever going to do it recreationally. I had no interest in racing. Famous last words, right? I was a reluctant runner. <laughs> well, I wasn't a reluctant runner. I liked running because, you know, I, I, I liked it, but um, I, did, I wasn't going to race, and, you know, I wasn't going to do any more than 5K. And anyway. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the story we hear all the time, and we've seen that just more times than I can count. But you joined the Halifax Running Club. Yeah, that was in two, 2004, the end of 2004. Yeah. Right. And like you said, you never had any ambitions to race or do anything longer than a 5K. But in your bio, you, you said in 2005, you were asked to join a relay team that was trying to race around the Cabot Trail in 24 hours. And we understand that something special happened during that race experience. Did you want to tell us about that? Oh, yeah. Well, so first of all, it was the longest I had ever run. And I got this early morning run because I didn't mind getting up early in the morning because I used to get up early in the morning and run with my neighbor anyway at five o'clock. So the race was, I think it was my leg of the race was a bit before that. So anyway, I got out and... I was actually, I have to admit, I was right in front of the ambulance. <laughs> I was right behind because I'm going like, I better just take this easy, you know. So anyway, <laughs> finally I thought the ambulance is behind me. Maybe I should pick it up a bit. So I did. Anyway, I remember, I don't know where it was because like I got pa- I got passed by this old man with white hair. I thought, oh, see that old man. Anyway, I found out later on it was Edward Locke. <laughs> I didn't know who he was at that time. I didn't know. And uh, anyway, once I found out who he was, I'm like, wow, I was really impressed because he had a lot of really impressive records. And he still does to this uh, day. Yeah. For people that don't know, Google Ed Whitlock. I believe he just passed away in the last year or two. But what do you know about him? He holds records in many, many different distances. But did you know who he was at the time? No, I didn't know who he was. At all. I didn't know anything about any runners, really. <laughs> right. So, so put this into perspective for us here, Morag. Like The Cabot Trail is how long? Uh, 286 kilometers, I think. Okay, so in 24 hours, that's no small feat, even for a relay team. And you said it's the longest distance you had ever run up to that point. So how far was your leg? 19.8. Wow. And and did you enjoy that? Like, because this is sort of how your your running story or the evolution of your running story has taken place, right? I'm just going to join the running group, but I'm not going to race. I'm only going to do 5K. And now this is how it happens, right? I did. I had a great time because, like, you know, we're with a team and anything you do with a team is always a lot of fun, I find. So, and, you know, it was my friend. She was a lawyer with the federal government and they had this team called the Mountie. It was the Mounties, some of the Mounties that had had put it together and they were just a blast so I had a lot of fun and that was kind of like the weekend that, so my husband came along he ran in as well and that was kind of like the weekend that we kind of got together I guess so that mm-hmm. was a oh, the other thing. That was a significant event in your your history not just your running history but yeah. your, your life history Okay, so then fast forwarding a few more years, three more years, and you did your first official 10K race, the Navy 10K. Yeah. And I understand even though you had to walk a few times, you still ended up second in your age group. I did. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, I was actually probably had quite a lot of fatigue because I did the nine Megan marches with the reserves. And they, that's a series of uh, 40 kilometer marches back to back over four days, uh, carrying 30 pounds in your bag. And we had been training since April. So we were getting up like 
I did this before I went to work too, and I actually got a special leave from work to train for the week, which was really great. Mm-hmm. Was, that mm-hmm. was an awesome experience going to uh, the Netherlands and doing that march. But anyway, uh, so I mean, obviously, it was it, it it's a lot of work to do that, mm-hmm. and uh, so I think I'm still because we did them in July, and the think he was in August, and it was, it was like midway through August, so probably three weeks maybe after the after the marches. Yeah, so I found myself a bit tired, so I had to stop a couple of times and take a break. Yeah, heaven forbid yeah. you were fresh. Just think about what you could have. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Well, the other oh. interesting thing about that too is my husband told me, it wasn't my husband, then, but he said to wear, to wear the garm, he says, no, stay behind this this girl, because she was kind of the same pace as me, and he says, so I stayed behind her and I'm looking at the garment and I'm going, oh my goodness, I'm going too fast. So I would slow down and then I look at it again and I'm going, I'm going too slow. I need to speed up. So I would speed it up. And by the time I got to the end of the race, I was so stressed out with the garment. I said, I'm never doing that again. And I never did. Actually, that is something I wanted to talk to you about because that jumped out off of your your bio when I was reading it because I couldn't agree with you anymore. Like, GPS watches stress the heck out of me. I know. Personally, because uh, exactly the same as what you just said. If I look down and I see that I'm going too slow, I'm like, oh no, I'm going too slow, but I feel like I'm going this fast or whatever. And then if I look down and I see that I'm going too fast, I'm like, oh no, I just blew my race. I'm going too fast. Like, (laughs) unless it says the perfect number. It's probably going to stress me out or I could just reframe uh, my thoughts around it. But I couldn't agree with you more. And so did, what happened after that? Did you ever race with a GPS watch again? No, never did. You just threw it out? Never <laughs> again. No, no, no. I, no, I run with it. I run with okay. it so I can record my runs, but I don't race with it because it's, right. oh, okay. it's too much temptation to look at it, right? I don't mm-hmm. run with a watch at all. That's amazing. You go by feel. I go by feel because it's just, no, I don't always get that one right either because I've had a couple of races where I'm going to too fast and just blew it right there. But, you know, you learn. You learn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, no, and I just, I would rather do it that way because it's, it's too stressful. All right. So you have quite another interesting little tidbit that came out as we were kind of doing our research on you for this episode. In May of 20, sorry, 2008, you and one of your daughters were both married within a week of each other. That's right. Yeah. That's like so cool. And as part of that whole, I guess, celebration few weeks, your daughter Elsa ran the Blue Nose Marathon and you ran the half. Uh-huh. Elsa always comes out with ideas like that. Yeah. It's like so when, it's- I go, when I go to visit, she goes, Oh, mom, while you're here, you should do this. <laughs> you know, it's usually raised, <laughs> right? So. Well, it was actually so fascinating for me to to hear this as part of your story and realize that Ilsa is your daughter because as a trail ultra runner who lives now in Calgary, Alberta, she's definitely somebody that has come across my radar. So again, what mm-hmm. a small world. So tell us a little bit about how your daughter essentially called you out and, and inspired you to maybe push yourself in a different way. She ran, she ran the Boston Marathon in 2010. She, so she ran the Blue Nose. She was wanting to get a qualifier. Mm-hmm. She didn't get it in the Blue Nose because that's a hard marathon and it's very hilly. She got it in her next one. But the thing is, she missed the start. So they, they didn't, she didn't get the right time, she, the gun time, I think. They okay. started teaching her when she, she started 10 minutes after the start. So she would have made her time. So then she had to run another marathon to try and get time for Boston. So she got time for Boston. And okay. 2010, she came home and we actually drove her down, her and a friend down to Boston because we were going to support her in, in her race. So anyway, she sent me, there's a picture of her. I don't know if it's a picture she bought. It must have been from the Boston photos of her running across one of the, I don't think it was the finish line. It might have been the finish line. And she wrote on the side of it with an arrow, place mum here. Not that I'll ever run side by side with Ailsa because I won't. But anyway, I just, uh, I'm just like, yeah, right. Not in your life. I'm not doing that. I'm never running a marathon. Well, and there, and we there know. it is again. There's I know. 
so much more to that marathon and Boston story, which we'll get into in a little bit for sure. I can't stop Carolyn from talking about Boston at all. (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) just a little bit further along this, you know, timeline. So in May, you know, you ran the Blue Nose, the half and the Blue Nose Marathon. And you had a very good time of an hour 48. And then later that year, you ran a 10K in 43 minutes and 38 seconds, beating both your husband and your brother. Mm-hmm. So, okay. At, at what point did you start to realize that you might have a little bit of talent and that maybe you should start exploring your limits a little bit more? Was it around this time? Did you have a, a hint? I, I never thought like that. It was one of the coaches that I used to run with used to think that I was quite good, but I just thought he was just saying that. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I just never, no. I didn't well. Uh, I mean, I like to try and do my best, but honestly, I didn't really work at it. I have to say, there's a lot of races I did that I didn't work at. I mean, if I had put in a bit more effort, I might have, you know, done mm-hmm. a bit better. Who knows? I did uh, in my second marathon. I did put in a bit of effort and had a good mm-hmm. pace there. Well, I think you're being a little bit yeah. modest because we do know that, you know, you you ran a qualifying marathon to get to Boston and in 2016 you ran Boston and and fun fact, that is the one and only year that I ran Boston. So we were there together. Oh, wow. And I wish I wish I would have known that you were there at that point, but uh, I found it hot that year, did you? Yeah, it was hot. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it was a little bit hot. But in your very first Boston, wind up third in your age group. Third. And you have placed actually on the podium three out of the four years you've run. You've run 2016, 17, 18, and 19. And the only year you weren't on the podium was 2018, which was that horrific year of the cold and wind and rain. So can you tell us a little bit, I hate to dwell on the one, the one out of four bad races that you had there, but um, what was it like that year? Because I just saw the footage and just could not imagine. I probably would have dropped out too. <laughs> I, well, really, I shouldn't have started. But anyway, I think that, I think you learn from all these things. And the one thing, honestly, I never considered was hypothermia. I always worried about hyponatremia. And I always made sure I drank and kept myself cool and all the rest of it. And But I never, ever considered, because I live in Canada and it's freezing in the winter, right? But right. I mean, rain and, and cold is the worst. The, the problem with Boston was, I mean, you're standing, you know yourself, you're standing around for a long time at the start. Yeah. I actually think I was hypothermic before I started because I was so oh cold. My, my feet yeah. were freezing and they felt like concrete blocks. But oh, wow. the amazing thing is my daughter got my splits up so the time I dropped out and I was running an amazing race. That would have been my personal best marathon oh, no. if I hadn't had to drop it. But I had to drop it. I was in bad shape. What was your, what made you realize that you had to drop? Like, what was that aha moment? <laughs> First of all, well, when I started running, I kept on kicking the inside of my ankle, which I thought was kind of odd. Because I do that once or, you know, the time you'll kick yourself in the in- inside your ankle. And, but I kept doing it and I couldn't feel my legs from, from the top of my legs to my knees. It was a weird feeling. Yeah. And when I was running, I kept thinking that this there was people running. I kept thinking they were wavering. I thought they were wavering around, mm-hmm. but in actual fact, it was me. And I didn't realize that I stopped for, I think I stopped when I was going up a hill or something, or I realized I had to stop for a bit. And when I stopped to walk, I realized I was I wasn't walking straight either, mm-hmm. and I'm like, this is no good. <laughs> yeah. But my and the other thing I, I remember was my my core was cold. Like I could actually feel it cold. Oh so, wow! Yeah. Wow. So it was um it was I probably shouldn't have started it. I probably shouldn't have you know because it was such yeah. terrible conditions. It was awful. You know, and I wasn't I wasn't dressed right for it either because I didn't take extra clothes that you could throw away at the start. Okay. Yeah. I sure yeah. I did after that though. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You were so prepared in twenty nineteen. Oh, I was definitely prepared. <laughs> So, so let's talk about this because, so 2016, you placed third and would you have been in the 55 to 59 age category then? What year was that? Uh, 2016. No, uh, yeah, yeah uh, 50 to 54. Okay. Okay. And then 2017, you were second. Mm -hmm. And in 2019, you placed third and you shared the podium with 
U.S. Olympian Joan Benoit Samuelson, yes. which for people that don't know their their running history, Joan Benoit Samuelson is an American marathon runner who was in the first women's Olympic Games, uh, the very first inaugural marathon in LA in 1984. And uh, I believe she held the fastest time for an American woman for quite a long time. I think she, I think Harvard Eckers did for like 26 years, actually. Wow. Yeah, it was absolutely. amazing. She's really fast. Yeah. So, what was that like? I mean, you shared the podium with her. And then uh, another honorable mention here goes to the second place woman yeah. who is Canadian, Elizabeth yeah. Waywell. So, that was a pretty stacked podium. What was it that was. like to uh, share it with those two legends? Well, I felt very humble. I felt like I shouldn't be there. But you were. But I was, yeah. Yeah, just, uh, you earned a place there just like they did. Yeah. Did you get a selfie with them or like, how, what was that interaction like? I've got a picture of us on a podium together. Okay, fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. That's so amazing. And by then you were in the 60 to 64 category? Yes. And we actually interviewed Rosalind Smith from the Comox Valley Roadrunners, I believe back in episode 26. And I think she placed that year as well. I, I have to go back and get my facts straight. I think she was in the 65 category though. Did, did you ever come across Rosalind Smith? I thought she, I thought, oh, that year? Yeah, because I thought she this year she she won the seventies. Huh? Oh, maybe it was the seventies. Uh, I thought she did it in twenty nineteen. Oh, 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 maybe you're right. Yeah, and she might have been seventy. But I think if again, if I have my my facts straight, you actually took Rosalind Smith's Canadian record. I believe she held the Canadian record in the marathon for uh, women uh -huh. sixty five to sixty nine. Sixty five to sixty nine. Yeah, and. July of 2021, I believe you took that record from her, right? I did. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Where did that race take place? And uh, did you ever connect with Rosalind uh, to sort of pass the torch? <laughs> no, I didn't know. I didn't know it actually until you told me when in a conversation. I That was another one of these races I wasn't going to do. I almost didn't do it. So I wasn't going to Boston because of covid there were so many restrictions in place and I just thought it was too much hassle. And I thought, I'll just do another marathon so that I can qualify. But by the time I realised that, I only had like 12 weeks to train. So I was a bit short of time. So because that was the only one that was I knew I could go to. When I told Joe about it, she told me I should go for the record. And, and I said, well, what's the record? And I, I can't remember if she told me or not. I said, well... Yeah, well, maybe. So <laughs> I can see what I can do. So we went ahead, but then somebody told me that, that my time from the previous boss was going to count. And I said, well, I don't need to do this marathon then. <laughs> and and then we had kind of issues with COVID again because of gun, gun time and chip time for records. Mm -hmm. There's mm -hmm. a. I think you have to go with gun time for you have, to, you have to go with gun time and it has to be gun time. So anyway, we got that all well Joe did. Joe got it all sorted out with the Mr. Red, so anyway, so I finally ended up going <laughs> and I felt really good in that race. Uh right up until about twenty five K and then I don't know if this affects you guys, but the camber of the road, you know, when the road is like really slant, it really bothers me. And I ended up with a really sore knee, but I also did the thing that runners should never, ever do. I wore new sneakers. Oh. <laughs> and everybody's going, I can't believe you did that. And I said, yeah, I know. Well, I went to get new sneakers and they didn't have mine because that was another thing you couldn't get because of COVID. So I took I took another pair that, eh, you know, previously worn brand. Anyway, but it was a lot thicker because I like the minimal shoes. I really like mm -hmm. the minimal shoes. Mm -hmm. And so these ones are a bit more cushiony, so I wasn't used to the cushion. But anyway, yeah. I ended up in trouble. <laughs> so so I was in I was actually the first female to that point, and then one girl passed me, and then another girl passed me. But anyway, I was third female in it, so I still got in the top three. So Well and, and what race was this at? This was the Nova Scotia Mar Marathon, which is run in Barrington, Nova Scotia, which is actually quite a pop it's lovely, but I couldn't mm -hmm. see anything because of the fog. People okay. tell me it's lovely. I just have to believe them because you couldn't see a thing. Oh no! <laughs> but it was 
It was kind of good in a way because it kept it cool because we had a really hot summer. Really hot. Well, and sometimes not seeing what's ahead of you is actually a good thing. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> then you don't know where the I finish line my, is. <laughs> exactly. I run my best runs in the dark when I can't see that I still have five <laughs> kilometers to go. Like, oh, that's, that's, a sneak, that's a sneaky little hack. That's amazing. But but is it true you ran that race at the age of 66 in three hours and 21 minutes and 38 seconds? Yeah. Like that's faster than my amazing. fastest marathon time by 17 seconds. So I feel like you've just lit a fire under me to go out and like improve on we'll my personal <laughs> best and try to match your time. Man, that is amazing. Amazing. Wonderful. My first Boston marathon was, uh, so my first marathon was 3.30. And so I was quite happy with that because, well, you have to get 3.30 to qualify, but I guess not in my age. You know, and, but yeah. anyway, that's kind of what I was aiming for. But the second one, the Boston was 3.31. So I was really quite surprised to place on the podium that year. I really was. I didn't mm. think there was any way, you know, not with a crowd like that. Sheer luck, I guess I did. But the next year, what I did was I took my training plan and when I couldn't fit in all the runs, I did all the workouts, I did all the speed work, and that's what made the difference. I, I like I swear by speed work, like short, mm-hmm. hard workouts. Okay, so let's yeah. talk about this a bit more for a minute. So you love your speed work. We know you've dabbled in running on the track as well as the trails. So talk to us a bit about do you have a preference for which type of running and what do you love about each type of running so road running doing speed work or track workouts and then potentially trails i like doing track workouts because the thing about the track workouts is every time i go to track workouts and not with the short ones the, the sh- like short track but when i when i talk about track workouts i mean like we call like 400 800 600 one kilometers mm-hmm. And, and the, the guy who coaches us always says, you know, we're going to do this tonight. And I always look at him and say, oh, I don't think I can do that tonight. And every time I do it, and I so feel good that I actually did it. The shorter ones, they're hard. Like, I mean, I run with Joe for the really short, short ones. And I mean, basically, we're only running for like half an hour. But you've had a good workout in that half hour. I mean, it's all stop and start. But it's mm-hmm. it's wicked. <laughs> Well, this is something I want to explore because we keep mentioning this Joe. So Joe and I sit on the board of directors for Canadian Masters Athletics and you and Joe are both in Nova Scotia. So that was kind of how we got hooked in with you to have this conversation in the first place. So thank you, Joe. But one thing that is we've noticed is like tricky about getting people to join master's track is because it's hard. Like as you're explaining, like these workouts are short and fast and they're, they're hard in a different way than running a marathon would be hard. So what is it that you love about it? It sounds like once you get yourself to the track and join the group and do the workout, like you might not be super looking forward to it, but once you're there, you're like, okay, this is, this is good. I can do this. And this is a lot of fun. Is, am I hearing you correctly there? Did you want to elaborate? Yeah, I think, I think it's the value of the, of the chain. And I think the short, hard workouts is where you're going to make the gains. You know, I, cause I did that, like that year that I trained for Boston and I couldn't fit in all the, all the runs. I did the workouts. Mm -hmm. Now, they would all be short, but I mean, the ones I hate the most are the 800s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have to mentally talk myself through them, but you know, yes. the, 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 the track ones, are, they're, they're harder, but mm-hmm. a, a lot of people I find, they don't want to push themselves. They don't want to go into that zone. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then once you go back to doing the long runs, like don't they feel that relatively that much easier because you've maintained some of your top end speed? Like as we get older, it's our top end speed that's going to go before our endurance, right? I think that's what yeah. helps you maintain it when you get older. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you're, you're on to something here and it might not be the way that everybody trains, right? We're, we're so conditioned to think like long runs, long runs, long runs, mileage, Or right? I'm getting older. I'm better not pull something push or it. I better yeah. not dare push it in case something might happen. But yeah, you're telling me that it's really worked for you. Well, I, I, I think it does. Like, I mean, and I read, um, I read a book, Joe uh, Friel's uh, Fast oh, After yes. 50. Yes. And he talked a lot about that. And I thought that makes a lot of sense to me. And I find that with the short, hard workouts, you recover quicker. Mm-hmm. Then, then if you go out and do like a three-year run, which I don't do. 
<laughs> I just don't do it. You know, like my longest run when I'm training for a marathon is like two, two hours and 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes two and a half yeah. just because I, I run just because, you know, like I've been running with someone who wants to keep mm-hmm. going. So I'll just keep going with them. But that's. Um, yeah. But to put it in perspective, you're a 320 marathoner. So that's about 66 to 70 percent of the time on feet. And now you don't just run the 800s and the 400s and, and all of this track stuff in training. You've also dabbled in racing on the track. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience at the 55 plus games? That's thanks to Joe, because Joe is, <laughs> no, Joe's great. Joe, like, I mean, I went and done all the speed work. It was one of the girls that I ran with told me I should go along. It was really good. So I went along and met Joe. And, you know, people came and went and I'm still around with Joe. They've all gone, but I'm still there. And I really enjoy it. And I think it makes a lot of sense. But she wanted me to run at the track. And I'm like, ooh, I really don't want to do that. You know, like, I don't want all these people watching me. And, and you know, we, we did a track meet at the Canada Games Centre. And, of course, this is one of the things I think that's really hard for masters. Is they put you in with these young kids. At least here they do. Mm-hmm. And it's quite demoralising. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I know yeah. they're going to run faster than us. Of course they are. But it's just, you, you think you're running really slow because they're whizzing around the track. You're actually running quite fast. It's hard to do. It's not like if you if if we had enough people where like they were your age or closer to it, that would be, be that would be better. That would be more and you know like encouraging. I know what you mean, and and yeah. we hear that a lot as like pushback or objections of of why people don't join. Right? It's like I would if there was more people my age doing it. I don't want to get lumped in with the kids and get lapped or whatever the case may be. It is intimidating, but I presume that at some point you overcame that intimidation because you showed up and and did it. But the fifty five games was over fifty five, so that was okay. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I really think, I mean, I did it I did it for Joe because Joe is just, she's done so much work for uh, Masters of Athletic in Nova Scotia and she tries so hard to get people interested. And I just kind of, I feel like I have to support her and, and yeah. I want to support her as well. So that's why I went. And that's why I went along to the one in the summer, which we had no change for at all this last summer. As you've done it more and more, do you find yourself enjoying it? Like talk to that person that's like, I, I'd kind of maybe want to give that a try, but I'm a little bit intimidated by the competition or I feel like I'm on display or I'm afraid I'm going to get injured. Like did any, did you have to overcome any of those hurdles? Well, I think because, because of COVID did the last one, there wasn't hardly any people watching it anyway because they couldn't. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't, so that didn't bother me so much at that one. The worst one I ever ran was um, my other coach before I met Joe told me I should run the, the mile on the track. And the oh. thought of it terrified me because that put me back to my school days, right? Running on the track. <laughs> and, and I was like, I was stressed out over this for weeks. Anyway, we, we went, I went to run it, but that was older people. Anyway, they had, a, they called it the geezer mile. No, they didn't. Yes, they did. Actually, they changed the name after that because they didn't think that was very nice. So anyway, they they called it the Master's Mile after that, which is a bit kinder. Yeah. So they called it the Geezer. It was the Geezer Mile and I did it. I had not trained for a mile. I hadn't run a mile since I was in school. And I mean, like, in school, we didn't run races. We just went out and ran a mile. The first lap round the track I did in 79 seconds in my coach. <laughs> oh, that was one of these horrible races. That was one of these horrible races. Did you fade? Uh, oh, yes, I did. Oh, yes, badly. And uh, anyway, he, he said to me, he was killing his uh, lap. He thought it was quite funny. He says, do you know how fast you ran that first lap? He said, I said, no. He says, you ran in 79 seconds. And I said... I can't run 400 meters from 79 seconds. And he said, you just did. Yeah. <laughs> but you, should, you don't want to do that in a mile. No. It, yeah, I faded very badly and picked up a wee bit in the last lap. I was dying. It was awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, wow. So does that light a fire under you? Does that make you want to go out and try it again? Or is it discouraging? Like, talk to us about where you sit with your relationship with the mile right now. I've done a mile since then. I did the bridge mile in Halifax, actually. And that was... But I didn't do that. I didn't run out like that. Okay, so but, you learned. <laughs> I, I learned, yeah. But I'll tell you, at the end of it, I was heartened, like because it's it's a t- it's probably the hardest race I've ever done as a mile. Mm-hmm. Well, wait a wee minute. Nope. Uh, the four hundred I did in the summer was the hardest one. <laughs> 
<laughs> See, Carolyn, you yes. know, I said the only thing harder than running 100 miles is possibly a 5K. It's and probably- it might even be something less than no, that. No, it's probably, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. The, I think the 400 <laughs> seriously oh, is like one of the hardest races. Well, so, yeah. I mean, you're running with kids, right? So you're, you, you, you go out and you run. And uh, I got to the, I think I had 100 meters to go and I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, I'm not going to make it to the end. And I go like, I have to make it to the end. I have to make it to the end. So anyway, I just, I did it. I just dug deep and I did it. But my legs were just, the lactic acid in them was just like, oh. And that was without any training. <laughs> yeah, imagine imagine what you could do with training. So keep at it. You've got to keep showing up at the track and, and promise me that you'll master the mile. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe the 1,500 meters that would be, because they do 1,500, I think, now. Yeah, I think that's a more common distance, isn't it? The metric mile. All right. Well, you're running super, super strong at uh, 66 years young. So give us your secrets. How have you managed to stay so healthy for so long? Uh, Have you ever dealt with injury? And talk to us about what you maybe learned from some of those setbacks. That's a good question because I don't, you know, like I have a a routine that I try to go through every night, stretching and rolling. It does take very long, but, you know, sometimes you just get out of the habit. Yep. And the other good thing about that is it really helps you sleep well, I find. Oh, yeah, yeah it's a good, yeah. like, parasympathetic yeah. nervous system kind of, like, yeah, relaxation thing yeah. before bed. Yep. So uh, my latest one is plantar fasciitis. Now, I don't mm. know if stretch material with that or not. And I've had this. I actually, the last time I ran was September. Chomping oh, in the you're bit. currently dealing with an injury. Yes. Okay. Now, it mm. seems okay. to be seasoned up now, and hopefully I'll be back about running again soon yeah so you know what it's like to be without oh, your yes <laughs> your effects yes yeah so how has that been mentally for you like physically we know it's pain you know is never pleasant but how has it been for you mm-hmm. mentally to not be able to train and run this winter well one day i just again told my physiotherapist told me i just got on the treadmill and ran i thought i just had to do it from my head <laughs> and it did and, and it was okay. It's like I just did, uh, I think only did a comment or something, but just mm-hmm. I just had to do it. Anyway, mm-hmm. I actually was up to running about six kilometers and it started to bother me again. So I thought, this is just not helping me. So mm-hmm. I just stopped. Mm-hmm. But I'm currently getting uh, shockwave therapy, which seems to be quite good. Okay. Just because yep. this has dragged on for so long. Now, my daughter's going to get the same thing. And I told her, I said, go get your way therapy. She went for one session and she was able to keep on running. And that's all she wow. needed. But I think yeah. mine was just, oh, you know, because I, I got it and I kept running until I couldn't, basically. Right. Plantar fasciitis can, can be a real beast. It certainly mm-hmm. can. Definitely. And the longer it's been there, and I hate to say, but the older your connective tissue is, <laughs> the, le- the more true. time it takes. The more yeah. time it takes. Yeah. yeah. Everything takes more time. And I've done, I, I had a stress fracture one time, but I mean, most injuries I found, I was only out about six weeks max. This is the longest I've ever not been able to run. So I just thought about Ed Whitlock. Ed Whitlock, right. I, I read up on Ed Whitlock, and he had actually quite long gaps in his run career. I don't know if you know that. No. Yeah, there was times like life just, you know, took him in a different direction. He didn't run. Yeah. But um, I just think, I think there, there's, it's good sometimes not to run for a while. It is. It is very sure. hard getting back into it, though. Uh, yeah, you know, exactly. like because you're, you can't expect to just pick right up where you mm-hmm. left off. <laughs> and the last, the last injury I had was a hamstring injury. And when I went back out running, I went to track. And uh, the coach says to me, says, so how did you find that? I said, it was fine. He says, how were your legs? I said, my legs were fine. I says, but I couldn't breathe right. <laughs> because it was the breathing. My legs were fine. I was good, but my breathing was like, this is killing me. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, in twenty in twenty nineteen, you retired, if I understand yeah, right correctly, and of, you had all kinds of plans for 
for 2020. And I, I, I looked you up in early in 2020, January, you ran an absolutely incredible half marathon in Arizona uh, in one hour, 38 minutes. <laughs> but then the pandemic hit, right? And so we're curious about sort of how your relationship with running changed during that time. Like a lot of people, it was very disorienting and they were floundering because all the races were canceled. And now you're telling us, you know, you've been dealing a little bit with injury. So talk to us about how your relationship with running has changed over the last year, year and a half. Well, when the pandemic first hit, I, I was very, like, I just, because I had no races, because there was no races, right? And there was no club, running club to run with. There was no groups to run with, like you usually run with. I was very discouraged. And I thought, what's the point? I, I find it really hard to get my motivation to run. I just mm-hmm. totally lacked motivation for quite a while. But, you know, I, I, I plugged on. And luckily for me, I have a neighbor who's 74 who still runs. And uh, so I go running with him. Uh, he's very inspired and he always says that, you know, I do so well in Boston because I don't understand because we run very slow. So all my slow runs are very slow. But anyway, mm-hmm. it's quite funny. So I, I ran with him and, you know, he shuts away and we kind of kept each other going and that's how we got through that. And, um, yeah, but this, the, the Arizona Marathon was quite quite funny because, again, that was Ilsa's idea because mm-hmm. <laughs> we were going down to Arizona because they had an Airbnb down there. So a couple of days before, she says, let's go for a run in the trail, Mom. So off we went. And we did like 1,100 meters of elevation about three days before the race. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not going to be able to move tomorrow. <laughs> so you mentioned this neighbor of yours that has inspired you quite a bit in your running experience in this last little bit. It sounds like your daughter is potentially another one who inspires you. But, you know, without putting words in your mouth, yeah, talk to us. This is the Inspired Souls podcast. So we also always like to ask our guests, who has inspired you along the way and why? Well, my friend that I run with, because he's 74 and he gets out there and he does it, and I thought, well, you know what? I should stop complaining and just go do it. <laughs> like, you know, you, you, you think of him and then you think of the people that can run. You know, like there's lots of, that's what I think of when I can't run. And then I think, you know, I'm really lucky to be able to do this and to be able to do it at my age. So, um, but yeah, he, he, he does because he's, he just keeps on going. <laughs> and yeah, my daughter, cause she's so dedicated, but yeah, and Joe as well, because she's just like, she's just so full of life and she's all gung-ho and she does, she just, She's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, absolutely. She keeps, she, she keeps thinking I can do things and I keep thinking, I don't know who she's talking about. <laughs> well, right? she sure is a big fan of yours. When she, she nominated you for this podcast, her yeah. email was very, very complimentary of you. And yeah. I can absolutely see why. I know, I know. And yes. we need those people, right? We need yes. those people who almost believe in us more than we believe in ourselves. And they they plant that seed and say, like, you can do it. Yeah, it's true. And I think that my coach, my first coach especially, she had more faith in me than I had. And other people mm-hmm. do. Like, I don't know why, but I just, I don't know. I have a hard time with it. And then, you know, and, and a lot of times when I, I do run a really good race, I'm really surprised. Like when I ran the 320 Boston, I was going, did I really? Because I wasn't wearing a watch. Brian came. Mm-hmm. He's looking up the results of the phone and he told me that. And I'm like, really? I did? wonder how I did that. <laughs> That's usually what I say to that. If you had been wearing a watch, you probably would have self-sabotaged that race. I probably you would have. Absolutely would have been, yeah. you know, I, I'm going too fast or there's the, no the, way I can the, do this and freaked yourself out. <laughs> the, the interesting thing about a lot of races I see is people are doing this all the time. That's such a distraction. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. just go run. Yeah, it, it takes you out of the moment, right? It feels so much better. And you do learn. You do learn to just run by feel. Yeah, Yeah. because at the end of the day, no matter what your watch says, you're only going to be able to go as fast as you can go, right? (laughs) Right? And and so when you kind of tune into those internal signals that we're getting all the time that, you know, as you say, we're distracting ourselves from noticing when we keep on glancing Mm -hmm. down at the watch. Mm -hmm. And so get into it. I call it running naked. (laughs) And and I like to (laughs) encourage my people to just, you know, and a lot of people are very resistant to this, 
So, so if you're resistant to it, that's okay too. But you know, even just putting a little piece of tape over your watch, like if it's too big of a leap to leave the watch at home, mm-hmm. like cover it up, really tune into how you're feeling. And then you've got the data that you can look at and analyze afterwards. But first, make that assessment for yourself. Like, how did I feel during that run yeah. on a scale of zero to 10? How hard was it? Even just getting out of your head and, and noticing your surroundings and really being in the run is so, so important. And then the data yeah, can be definitely. being collected behind the scenes if it's too big of a leap to just <laughs> chuck the watch away. But I, I think it's amazing and awesome that you've run all these years and raced all these years without uh without the watch Uh, the my best race that I ever ran was without a watch and I think it was for that reason I felt very free and I felt very in tune with with myself and so I could be on that edge without ever you know going quite over until the very end um yeah yeah, you seem to always find just a wee bit more to get you to the end to get you to the end of the race yeah uh so Moreg what does running mean to you how has it inspired you? I don't know. You just go out and run and forget about everything. Or, you know, it's good. Like if you're if you're feeling down, you can go. You you won't be feeling down when you come back. Or if you're if you're angry, you can run off your anger or cranky or, or whatever. And also, actually, it's also helped me to deal with grief because um, I lost my sister in two thousand and fifteen, and I also lost my favorite coach. My well, not my favorite. Well, a really good he was a really good guy you know he was just and he was beloved by everybody and he dropped dead actually in africa when he was out there training with these athletes it was a big shock oh to all of us and i found that after that i had totally lacked motivation to run totally mm-hmm. i just like it just it's like the bottom fell out of my bucket mm-hmm. it was um but you know you kind of regroup and pull yourself mm-hmm. back and build it back up again that's what you have to do but yeah so these are the things that run and helps me with yeah and it's it's amazing to me just how how much a run can be can like help us deal and cope with everything that's going on in life and everything wonderful that like it's such a microcosm for life right and when you like non-runners maybe wouldn't quite understand the way Uh but everyone we talk to on this podcast like running has such a deep and meaningful um place in their lives and it sounds like that's true for you too so thank you for sharing that with us and before we transition to our rapid fire questions you know we heard a a little birdie told us that you're maybe hoping to compete this summer at the world masters athletics in uh, finland (laughs) is that true (laughs) tell us more i don't know that's going to go ahead now really and of course we haven't been able to do any training well i definitely right. haven't anyway but um so oh, you've got and, six months lots of time yeah. so, fine <laughs> when, is, it, is it june or july i can't i think it's now. i think it straddles june i think it's end of june beginning of july yeah well we were talking about it and then everything shut down again so i'm gonna I have know. to talk to joe about that too and figure out yeah but if it goes and you're healthy is that something that you'd be drawn to competing in yeah yeah excellent and have you ever competed in a world masters athletics before no okay that would be be very exciting yes you'll have to come back on and tell us all about it if if you do end up going that's super i'm like very very intrigued by uh, by masters track that's for sure yeah okay well rapid fire are you ready first question is do you have a favorite mantra when you're running i don't really if i'm working in a, if i'm doing a workout and you know i'm having a hard time getting through it i'll i'll say to myself 800s being my favorite you know like i can i can i know i can <laughs> that's <laughs> that's that's about it but you know or even if i'm let me think if i've done that in a race or I tell myself I can do it. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, you just have a little bit more to do. If you can get this far, you can get that far. You know, that kind of, you, yeah. you, you do a lot of self-talk when you're in a race. Absolutely. There's exactly. no, room, no room for any negative stuff. Negative. Not when you perform like you do, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what is your favorite place to run? I really like running on the trails. There's something mm-hmm. exhilarating about trail running that you don't get on the road. It's just a mm-hmm. sense of free. I don't know. It's so good. I I think maybe because as a as a kid, 
we used to run around the hills in Scotland, like the little tracks, and we'd run all over the place. And when I was going to school, we could go out and run, and then just just run, no races or anything like that, just run, mm-hmm. and, and within normal play. And it, maybe that's what it reminds me of. But I just really like it. I'd like to do more trail running for sure. I was going to say, I bet Kim is very, very happy with that answer. (laughs) Well, it's actually interesting. Well, not interesting to say that, but one of my, I would say top five bucket list trail ultra races right now is actually the West Highland Way. I would really like to go do that in Scotland someday. How long is that? It is, it's a hunt. They have a hundred milers. So it's 160 something kilometers. Yeah. yeah. I was, um, so two years in a row, I was signed up to do Finlayson. And, and oh, so the Finlayson Arm. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, last year, and of course, it got cancelled because of COVID. And then this year, I was injured, so I couldn't go. I could do it. I was mm-hmm. out there. But so I'm hoping that one day, maybe I will be able to do that one. Okay, oh, sure well, you, I'm sure you, you, will. you may be answering our next question then. Do you have mm. a, a race on your bucket list? I guess I guess that would be the one because I haven't yeah. got to do it yet. Yep. <laughs> okay. I've tried, but it's just not to be just right now. But yeah, I, I know it's very challenging because I've climbed Finland in a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, a, it's a good climb. Oh, sure. yeah, yeah. Okay, so do you have a favorite running book or movie? I've read lots of running books, and um, and I've, I I find something really interesting in all of them. But I think the first one I might have read was Born to Run, which I found was great. That was inspiring. Um, mm-hmm. Endure by Alex Hutchinson. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But and Joe Fast After Her Fifty, although it's not specifically about running, it's more about all round fitness. I I found really good. And right now I'm reading Exercise by Daniel Lieberman. Oh, oh yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Her evolutionary yeah. biologist. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Oh, those, that's a great lineup of books. Yeah, but there, yeah, there's something really interesting. Something you can take from all of them. I think I would say the one that that I really affected me. I think was well, Born to Run and uh, Fast After Thursday because I thought mm-hmm. what he said made a lot of sense. Awesome. Okay, out. final question. Do you have a favorite post-run indulgence? Uh, if it's if it's early in the day, I like to have coffee after it. I just mm-hmm. love to have a coffee after a run. And if it's like later on and it's a marathon, beer and a steak. <laughs> <laughs> the body wants what the body oh, wants. Yeah. And it's anything yeah. but sugar, right? <laughs> I no chips that's my that's my favorite okay. I, yeah. I really want salt after a run not sugar because yeah. you've had yeah, Gatorade exactly. all the way along you don't want to want salt. exactly <laughs> oh well this has just been an amazing conversation you are such a great role model for us masters athletes showing us the way showing us what's possible and honestly what jumped out at me from this conversation was your attitude like you just seem to have struck such a great balance and a a real bring like a lightness and a joy and a freedom almost to your running it sounds like from this conversation I think so I really do and you just embody that so thank you thank Mm -hmm. you thank you for coming on the show and uh, sharing all of your uh, wisdom with us and I hope you've inspired some people to Try the roads, try the trails, try the track. Try everything. Try it all. Why not, right? You've got two working legs. <laughs> yeah, right. I did my first triathlon at 64, so. Oh, my goodness. No excuses. We didn't even get. Yes. yes. That's right. <laughs> you just bring this, like, wonderful light attitude to everything that you do and it's true and for people listening like it's not too late just go try it like Mm -hmm. if you you know what if you could do it right like try to bring that kind of attitude like oh it just exploring what's possible and being curious that's really what it sounds like you've done with your sporting endeavors and it's very admirable and it was just such a pleasure to have this conversation so thank you oh thank you thanks very much for having me thank you Marie.